Hello, everyone. I'm Marion Dalton, pastor of Bethel Harvest Church, and I want to welcome you to the final message in our series, The Road to Hope. I want to talk to you today about who is on the throne, because every one of us deal with the issues of our mind, our heart, and our lives of who is on our throne. So let's pray. Father, I just thank you for everyone gathering together today in their homes or wherever they might be. I thank you that it's your anointing that breaks the yoke, and you sent your anointed one, Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords, to anoint us, to cover us, to save us, to heal us, to set us free. I thank you, Father, for everyone listening today, that you would just open hearts and minds to hear your message, that it would not be a word from me, a man, but they would hear your spirit, your word, your truth, and, and take them to an entire, entirely new level of transformation through you, your power, and your love. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen, amen. Well, you know, I'm excited about what God is doing in the earth, even though at times, if I just look at a natural like you, I could be very disappointed. I could be very discouraged. But God has a plan, and there's nothing happening that he wasn't aware that was going to happen, and uh, he's still a big God, and he's still on the throne, the throne of the universe, the throne of all eternity. The key is, who is on our throne? You say, what do you mean your throne? Who is on our throne? Our mind is our throne. It's where we make our decisions. It's where our soul expresses our mind, will, and emotions. And it will really not only determine our fate, but it will determine others in our lives that maybe we're not even considered of where they're going to end up in eternity as well. So today, as I think about this, I think about Jesus, and we're in this time of Christmas, and this is the Sunday just before Christmas, and so think about it, you know, when Steph and I, we, uh, she had our two sons, Parker and Pierce, man, it was a time of celebration, people wanted to come and gather, and you know, the videos and the pictures, and man, we all looked a lot better back then, right, because my sons are 20, 21 now, and 23, and so as we look at that, you know, we look at those pictures, they had a lot more hair and all that good stuff, and that was awesome, but uh, wow, I think about all the hoopla around it, but it was a life-changing event for Steph and I, bringing those two sons into our lives. And what a great joy. There was not a prouder, prouder mother or father on the planet than us at that very moment. But I want you to realize it was the same for our Father God. When his son was born in the earth through the Virgin Mary, and he brought his very existence to this planet to be Emmanuel, to be one of us. Think about that, how much God loved us and how much the baby, before he became a, a sacrificial lamb on this planet, loved us to come down off his throne by the Father, to be born as a man and still be 100% God, to represent his Father, to bring us back to him. The Bible says actually, you know, that God, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, what? Not to condemn the world, not to judge the world, but through him, the world might be saved. There'll be a time of condemnation. There'll be a time of judgment, but we're in a dispensation of grace where we have an opportunity to put God on our throne. And as I look at it, whenever I think about it, at the celebration that was going on with Christ, there was someone that wasn't very happy. And we'll talk about that in a moment. I want to read a few verses to you out of Matthew's gospel in chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. 
says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and we have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem. Now, you know, all these people were so excited and been waiting and waiting for the coming of the king of the Jews, of Emmanuel, the one who is like us from the image of God. And, but there was someone who was very unhappy, <laughs> and that was the king of the time that was appointed by the Roman rulers, and his name was Herod. But what's interesting, not only was Herod troubled, <clears throat> but it says all of Jerusalem was troubled. Why? Because when uncertainties in the air, when we live at a time like we are even today dealing with COVID and the terrible effects of that on our economy, but even more so on the lives that's been lost and the losses of you and family members that maybe you lost a loved one during this time or you know someone. And it's heartbreaking to think of something that we can't really control. It's something that is, is beyond our strength and energy. I, I'm thankful that now we have a vaccine coming out, but man, think of the lives that have gone on. And when we live in these kind of times of uncertainty, there's a troubling spirit and a spirit of fear seems to rise up in the atmosphere and in our society. And it breeds disappointment. And when we become disappointed, we become discouraged. And when we become discouraged, that means we have no courage to do what we know is right. And it breaks my heart when I think about how troubled our nation is, but it could not be even close to as troubled as Jerusalem was. Because they had this king that was, had already been taking lives. He had already killed some of his own children to protect his throne. He had killed innocent people to protect his throne. He would do whatever he had to do. You see, he was concerned because whenever he heard that they said, the Magi said he was the king of the Jews. In other words, you see, Herod was appointed king, but Jesus was born king. And he knew just as he was appointed, he could be disappointed. <laughs> and for Herod, he knew that wasn't just to be, you know, demoted. That meant his life and probably in the lives of his very own family. So he was troubled. And he was, he was troubled. But here's the thing. Herod wasn't troubled because Jesus was the Messiah. He wasn't troubled but even because he was people's Lord and Savior. He was troubled because Jesus came on the scene to do what? To be the leader. The leader of all leaders, the point man, the number one. And I think sometimes if we're not careful, children of God, you that are born again and you that are not, and you're still trying to live your life and be good and do good things and be kind and all that, I wonder if Jesus is our leader. I wonder if it intimidates us a little bit that he needs to be on the throne of our mind the throne of our heart, the throne of our soul, that he needs to be the leader of our will and our admonition toward, our aberrations toward being who he called us to be and living out the purpose and the plan that he has for us and why we were designed to be here in this time, in this nation, of all nations and of all times. But God chose this place for you and you're here and I'm here and the question is, who is on our throne? 
Is it this world, this world system, this world's government? Or is it the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ? If I submit my heart and will to any king, any political leader, or whatever, any organization, I, I, just, uh, had a, I just committed a terrible demotion on myself. That's right. I've self-demoted because Jesus is the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. There's none no higher, none, none no greater, and none no more honorable. So whenever I talk about this, and I talk about how Jesus was not appointed, he was born king, and Herod was appointed king. And I want you to think about that in the reference right now of where is Jesus in your mind? You know, are you just a good person or you're a good Christian and He's your Lord and he's your savior, but maybe he's not your leader. Maybe he's not the one you go to to get the most important answers that you need in your life. Maybe he's not the one that you hear that still small voice of the Holy Spirit telling you about the words of Jesus that are written not only in the Bible, but more importantly written on our heart because out of the heart speaks the abundance of life, the issues of life come from our heart, and they're spoken off of our lips. You see, Jesus' presence, it brought peace and joy to so many. But it's interesting that it also brought, brought troubling, disappointment, and unrest to so many. You see, I believe the reason most people never come to Christ or put it off for such a long period, or they come to Christ and they're faithful for a while and they kind of drift away and he's no longer their leader. They're just, he's just more their savior, kind of punching their ticket to heaven. And so think about that. It, it just really amazes me that when we talk about the road of hope, that's what the road of hope is. Jesus came, right? The road of hope began with what? Mary and Joseph and the Magi and and the shepherds and all that. It's more than just a little story. It's a truth. It's a, a reality. It's hope. You see, if we're hopeless, that means hopeless. We have less or no hope, then we can't live in faith. Hope in the Greek means expected, something that's expected, that we have an expectancy. And without an expectancy, we can't have faith. And without faith, we can't know God. And without faith, he cannot not only be your Lord and your Savior, but he can't even be your leader now where you're living and what you're walking through. You see, the key is, just like Herod had to make the decision, are you willing to give up your throne? Wherever you are in your life, you could be a minister of the gospel, a singer, a gospel singer, a preacher. You could be a president, a governor, a senator. You could be, you know, someone that cleans the streets. You could be someone that, that has an mega billion dollar business. But the key is, is Jesus your leader? Is Jesus on your throne? You see, it seems that many Christians, they want to keep Jesus on the cross. They, they want to keep him over in Calvary, right? Because right there is where his blood was shed. They want to keep him near the tomb that he rose from anywhere, maybe even keep him in heaven in the by and by, not totally in our heart, not totally on our mind, because once that happens, he becomes our supreme leader. He's the one that we have to call on. 
He's the one that we need advice from. He's the one that we know loves us unconditionally. The Bible calls it agape love, not filio love, like love, I love you if you love me. But agape love is to love with no conditions. Maybe that's why when he was pressed on what commandment he believed was the greatest, he added to. Love thy Lord thy God with all thy heart, so am mine. And what? The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Man, when you think about someone laying their life down, I, I could without a doubt lay my life down for my wife or my children. And I could probably in certain situations dive in and do something, you know, that, that would surprise myself, maybe to help someone, rescue someone or save someone. But just to go out and lay your life down for anyone, I, I don't know if I could do that. But Jesus did it because he's our neighbor. He's our Emmanuel. He's the one called alongside us. He's the one that's like us when he was on this planet. And when he ascended to heaven, he left us the parakletos, the Holy Spirit. So no longer do we have to wait like the prophets of old for the Spirit of God to come upon us and to speak to us or to just give us a dream. God still gives dreams. God still speaks. God still prophesies. God still gives visions. But what's so cool about it, you have God, part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, not only living in you, but on you and around you. I like to say it like this. The Holy Spirit lives in me for my sake, but he's on me for the sake of others. When Jesus is my leader, when Jesus is not only my Lord and Savior, but my leader, my commander, the one that I get my passion and my desire from, the one that gives me peace that the Bible says passes my own understanding. When I'm too worried, too fearful, too concerned, the Holy Spirit is there. Galatians 5 says it's a fruit of the Spirit to give me rest, to give me peace, and for me, even to give me patience. And if you know me very well, that's a miracle in itself. So what is the version of Jesus you serve? What is the version of Christianity that you're living in right now? Is it just kind of an acquaintance? Is it just kind of a need, on a need-to-know basis? Or is he really your leader. Because if you want to break out of disappointment, that's the only way it's going to happen. The only way it's going to happen is to totally sell out, to go all in. And you that have done that before, have you ever been happier? No, but you let life and busyness and things take over. Good things, not bad things. You know, good things can be the enemy of great things. You have those children now, and you have those bills to pay, and that business you got to run that career you got to succeed in because people depend on you. You know, that's when you kind of find yourself lonely and shaky and maybe letting go of some of your morals and letting go of some of your standards because you don't have that intimacy that you once had with Christ. We come into this Christ Christmas season, and it is a season of giving, and I love Christmas. It's such a beautiful time, obviously, and celebrating the birth of our Savior. But he's got to become more than a myth. He's got to become more than an ideal. And even more than Lord and Savior, he's got to become Abba, Daddy, Father who loves us. You see, he first loved us, First John tells us. So that takes the pressure off. If, if we would just tap in, he's not even asking you and I to love him. He's asking you and I to receive his love. You see, his love language is different than ours. Ours, I'll love you if you love me. I'll love you if you don't do that or that and you're faithful over here. No, no, no. 
He loves us in our good times, our bad times. He loves us in our ugly times and our beautiful times. He loves us in our down and up times. He loved us before we made him leader, before we made him Lord, before we made him Savior. You see, whenever we begin to think about this, who is on our throne, when we say that and uh, we allow anyone or anything on our throne, our mind, our heart, above Christ and before Christ, what does it do? It opens us up to pain, suffering, and destruction. You know, it's one thing to deal with pain, and we do on this planet, and we do deal with suffering. But the key is, how are you handling your pain? How are you handling your suffering? You see, you can get alone till you're not alone anymore. You can suffer till there's no more suffering, because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But the greatest danger is whenever we get to that place in our life that we allow pain and all the destruction that's happening just to continue to snowball because we won't humble ourselves and come back to our leader, Jesus. You know, Herod, he faced the issue of pride, obviously, and power. And I think today in our society and in our world, it's so easy to be proud, right? We work hard to achieve and to accomplish and to do and to be. It's so easy to allow pride to have that seat. Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride goes before destruction. Whenever we get to a place that we live that life, we're actually setting ourselves up, not just for failure, but for destructions. But what happens when you give the throne of your life to Jesus, when you give your mind, when you give your heart to him? Isaiah 9 says this, verses 6 and 7, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. Think about that. He promises peace that passes all understanding. He promises peace that will remove the striving and the anxiousness and the fear and the worry as we give it all to him. When we realize that I'm, I don't own my children, I'm just stewards of them. I don't own my spouse, I'm a steward. I don't own this ministry or a career or a business. I'm just a steward of anything I have. I don't even own my health. I'm a steward of my health. I'm a steward of my genius, my mind, my wisdom. You see, I'm taking care of what God created me to demonstrate and to be a light to others and share who he made me to be. You see, the, the sign that Jesus' peace is whenever you think of him first when tragedy hits, whenever you turn to him first when you're broken or you've been betrayed, you go through a financial struggle, you go through, you know, a relationship that's breaking up or tragic or something like that. The first, when Jesus is your leader, he's your Lord, he's the one you go to first, not last, just because there's no other resort. So I'm gonna talk to you just a moment. I'm gonna ask you this. I want you to get ready, and I want you to, in the comments, I'm going to ask you four questions. And when I ask you these four questions, I'm going to ask you simply, if whichever one of the four pertains to you, and I want everyone to participate, all you guys at home, right? And uh, I just want you to type yes and the letter. So it'll be four letters, A, B, C, or D. And just type yes and the letter that represents what you, where you're at right now in your life. So as we do this, I want to read a scripture to you first. 
Romans 10, verses 9 through 11. I love it out of the Passion Translation when we talk about salvation and being a believer and being a child of God and Jesus being on our throne. Here's what it takes. Beginning in verse 9, it says, and what is God's living message? That's the gospel, right? It is the revelation of faith for salvation. See, faith without works is dead because it's not faith, which is the message that we preach. For if you publicly declare with, with your mouth, get that, if you publicly declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will experience salvation. Salvation is something you experience. It's a transformational experience. The first, uh, first uh, second uh, chronicle, no, second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17, I think it is, says, that when we give our life to Christ, we become a new creation. Old things have, all things become new. Old things pass away because you're a new creature. You are a new creation. It's a new experience. It's something that transforms you and transcends you beyond this earthly realm. Then it says, the heart that believes in him receives the gift of the righteousness of God. He says, ask us to believe and to trust and to know that he came and he rose from the dead and that he is there for us. It says, the heart that believes in him receives the gift of righteousness, the righteousness of God, that right standing as children of God. And then the mouth gives thanks or praise to salvation. You see, that's all he's asking us to do. Tell somebody, be a light to others. For the scriptures encourage us these words, Everyone who believes in him, this is what I want to share with you, will never be disappointed. Everyone who believes in him will never be disappointed. What's that mean? It doesn't mean you won't have disappointing events and things take place that disappoint you and, and maybe anger you or bring fear. What he's saying is, in the end, you will still win because there is nothing that can defeat the Spirit of God in you. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in this world. And anything set out against you, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You cannot lose. It's a rigged game on your behalf. The book has been written. All you got to do is believe it, receive it, and live it. So as we look at this, and I want to ask you these four questions real briefly here. And again, I just want you to, you know, type in your comment section, yes, and then the letter that applies to you. Here's the first one, A, the letter A, and first question I'm already in a relationship with Jesus. I'm already in a relationship with Jesus. Now, what does that mean? I'm not talking about I, I experienced the religion of Jesus or I'm not talking about church attendance. I attend regularly or I volunteer or I serve or I give money to good charitable events. No, you're talking about you've experienced the power of the resurrection of Christ in your life and it's changed you and transformed you forever. It means you're living in it right now, just like it was the first time that you gave your life to him. So if that's you, just type yes. Just put it in all caps, right? And then put the letter A. Here's the second question, B. Maybe this is you. I'm beginning a real relationship with Jesus. I'm beginning a real relationship with Jesus. Maybe this is you today. You're ready right now. You're ready to stop being kinda, coulda, shoulda, maybe being a child of God, but you're saying, no, today I'm making him 
my Lord and Savior. Today, I'm selling out. I'm not going to be far away or totally lost. I am getting on the right track, the right path today, and I'm going to live this life for him. Not through my power, not through my strength. I tried it. I'm going to live it through the strength and the grace of my Savior, Jesus Christ. So if that is you, just type again in comments, caps, all caps, yes, and then put the letter B. And then C would be this. Maybe this is you. I'm considering a relationship with Jesus. I'm considering a relationship with Jesus. I'm not ready to totally commit now. I'm still processing it all out, but I want you to know I'm really considering it. Man, that's a beautiful place to be. If you're not already totally committed and all in, guess what? That's a beautiful place to be. It's dangerous not to at least be in that position in your life. So I want to ask you, if that's you, just type yes in caps. Be proud of it, right? And put, and put the letter C in there. And then finally, D. And I know this one's a little bold, but I'm going to be very blunt with you because I think we need to really realize that we're making a decision because the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow's promise to no person, no man, no one, right? This is our opportunity every breathing moment we have. So here's D, and there's this. I don't ever intend to make that decision. I don't ever intend to make Jesus Lord. I don't, for whatever reason, maybe some event happened, maybe you've been hurt by Christians or people, or maybe you just don't have enough to believe that it's all real. I'm, I'm not ever going to even make that decision. But I'd like to ask you, will you be bold enough to type the letter D, say yes, and the letter D in the comments. You say, well, well, why would you want us to do that? Because I'm not upset with you. I'm not angry at you. I love you, and you're the reason I do what I do. You're, you're the reason I exist. You're the reason every believer exists. But just type it in there. You know what? Because I want to pray for you. And we as a church family, we want to pray for you. We want to be here, man. If you've got questions or you, you just uh, put a comment in there, a question mark by it, and we'll make sure that we comment and get back with you. We just want to be here for you. We don't want you going through this journey with a lack of information or through loneliness. Now, after you type those in, again, A, B, C, or D, we've come to that place where it's time for Jesus to be real. It's time for him to be real in our lives. If we've been on fire for him, it's time to get more on fire. It's time for him to be real in our lives. If somewhere along the way, especially the question B, that we never gave our lives to the Christ, or somewhere along the way we fell away. Or maybe it's C, you know, I'm still processing this thing. I, I still need to know. And then D, I just don't think I ever will. And I appreciate your honesty, but we want to pray for you. So I'm going to pray for everyone right now. Father, I just thank you for your beautiful, sweet anointing. I thank you for the brave, brave uh, bold people that have commented in the sections and placed their, their answer in the comment section. And I just thank you, Father, that you are the one that loves us so much. You love us right where we're at. Not the way we think we should be or preachers or religion thinks we should be. You love us just the way we are. Holy Spirit, I pray you speak to every individual under the sound of my voice right now. Speak to them, Lord. Tap them on their heart. Whether they answered the question A all the way or through D, it doesn't matter. Touch their heart because you don't love an A or a B answer any more than you love a D answer. Why? Because you love every individual. You gave your life for everyone, whether we reject you or not. So move, answer, touch, and help us to be there for them. And we give you praise in Jesus' name.
Now, if you answered B, I do want to pray a special prayer for you. You know, because we said, the Bible said what in Romans 10? Just simply what? Believe in your heart that Jesus rose from the dead and ask him to be your Lord and Savior. When you do that, then just speak it out. You can speak it out to me at the TV. Just put, yes, man, I did it. You know, I did it. And you said it's, uh, maybe you just put it there in the B comment again. That's okay to put in there twice when we pray this prayer. And that, that's your bold statement. And you put, yes, B, and give a thumbs up or a done so we know. And we want to be here and give you what you need, the tools you need as well as all of those questions that were answered by every individual. So let's pray. Simply pray this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe you came. I believe you died. I believe you were resurrected. You rose from the dead, and you're with the Father. I believe you gave the Holy Spirit to be my comforter and to live in me. I believe, Jesus, you are Lord and Savior. Thank you. I ask you as you come into my heart, and I receive you now as Lord and Savior, as my leader. Now, Father, I confess that I am a child of God. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. I'm born again. I'm blood-bought in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. That's so cool. And I just want to thank you. And we're so pumped about what God's doing and what God's saying. And we just make sure you join us every week. Make sure you share in comments, but also share this. You can just continue to share it to your friends and people you know and people you're, that are in your contacts because this is the time of year that, that depression is at its highest. Suicide and uh, overdoses are at their highest. And we need people like you to join the fight with us, the good fight of faith, to love unconditionally, to touch and to reach every person we can for the kingdom. This is our day, the day of salvation. God bless you. Thank you, man. I look forward to see you maybe here at church someday or join us again online. Be blessed.